when you talk about prayer, prayer is the hub of a wheel. There's thousands and thousands of spokes and rivers and ways that you could go down and talk about prayer. Let's turn over to James 5, 13 and 18. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit." This is a very familiar passage of Scripture, but I want to start at the end of the passage tonight because a lot of times I think we read the first part and we get down to the prayer of faith, we'll save the sick, and we don't ever get past that because we just get really hung up and that is a good part. But let's talk about Elijah now as an example. He was the Old Testament example of a righteous man praying. In other words, he was a type. Elijah was a type of the New Testament believer praying. And so that's the example God gave us in the New Testament of a man praying these fervent, effectual prayers offered by a righteous man. From this, we know that a righteous man can pray and obtain blessings. That part there where it says he was subject to like passions as we are. The Williamson says with feelings just like ours. The Living Bible says he was completely human. The Knox translation says he was only a mortal man. The Cotton Patch says he was a human being just like us, as well as does the New Living Translation and several other translations back this up. Because of the miracles in Elijah's life, we could get to thinking he was something special, that he was some sort of special, super anointed, he wasn't just like ordinary men, but this makes it plain to us that he was an ordinary man with passions just like us. He was just a human being and God used him in this powerful way. And so it's important to know that. Here we see that he stopped the rain. He was an example to us how we have authority over the weather. And you know, Jesus demonstrated that to us in the New Testament also. In Mark 4.39, it says, And Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. We know that we have the same authority. God gave us His authority. And if Jesus could command the weather, and if Elijah could pray and it not rain for three and a half years, then that's a type to us that we have authority over the weather. And we know that in this church, and we've done that and practiced that and seen results from it. I believe everybody in here could say, I've done that and I know. But you'd already be surprised at the Christians that would be shocked for us to even say that. In fact, you probably wouldn't have to walk far out the door till you could find somebody be really shocked to say that we have authority over the weather. But that's kind of common. That's common to us. We wouldn't think of not taking authority over the weather when something comes up or something's forecast. And so that's why when everybody's running for cover and going to Winn-Dixie, we're just saying, hallelujah, all is well, you know. So I believe in this scripture, up in the first part, which we read, we see an example of praying the prayer of faith. Praying the prayer of faith. And you don't need to be reminded of this, but I'm going to remind you anyway. Somebody might listen to this CD sometime that every prayer has to be prayed in faith. 
Even though we might not label it the prayer of faith, if you don't pray it in faith, it's not going to do any good. Praying prayers in unbelief doesn't do any good. But we do have a, a category of prayers called the prayers of faith or prayer of faith. But in over in this last part, I believe the Lord shows us something about another kind of prayer that few people know anything about. Very few. Even people that know about the prayer of faith don't know about this kind of prayer. I call it doing God's business prayer. Doing God's business prayer. And this is the kind of prayer that you have to grow up a little in Christ or you're not even interested in praying this kind of prayer. Even if you would know how to do it, you wouldn't be interested unless you've grown a little in Christ. Because you know when we're new in Christ, especially when we first hear the faith message, we think, oh Good. Hallelujah. I'm going to get my needs met. I'm going to pray for me a new car. I'm going to get me a husband. I'm going to get me a a new house. I'm going to get me a new sofa. I'm going to get me a baby. It's all about what you're going to get you by praying the prayer of faith. And so you have to mature a little. And it's certainly true that God does want to meet those needs and desires. But even maturing to the place where you pray this doing God's business prayer will even cause your needs to be met easier. Because when you start wanting what God wants, He'll start wanting more what you want, and He'll start getting it to you without you asking, and certainly without you having to... He'll start making proposals to you. It's wonderful when God wakes you up in the night and says, I want to give you a new house. Hallelujah. And He does that for people who mature to the point where they'll pray, they'll do God's business in prayer. We know about this prayer. I think we've talked about it before, but we've got to make sure that we give place to this. You could get so busy that even though you knew about it, you didn't ever do the business for God that needs to be done in the earth. This kind of prayer is so far reaching in its influence. It's not limited in distance and in time. So that's one of the reasons you have to be given over to God is because you may never know when it's answered or if it's answered. God may put you to praying for Saudi Arabia or something like that. And you have to just pray by faith, follow the Holy Ghost. Don't know if what you prayed is right or wrong. He may show you a person. He may show you the face of somebody. And you see him, you'd recognize him if you saw him on the street. But you may never see him. And you take care of the business God needs to take care of in that person's behalf. Or maybe you pray for a people group. Rhema Bible Training Center, they have prayer school every afternoon, 1 o'clock, Monday through Friday, where people come and they pray. They'll teach a little on prayer, but mostly what they're doing is praying. And then many others, many, many, many other groups prayed this prayer, but there were people prayed for years that the Iron Curtain would come down. You know, I was so out of it, I didn't even know it needed to. I was not to that place in prayer yet where I was giving over my time to praying for the Iron Curtain to come down. But more Christians need to grow up and they need to get to praying God's business. We could see some things changed in the earth. Because you know what? That Iron Curtain came down, it happened in one day. Nobody lifted a finger, nobody fired a shot. Just fell. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just over, just gone. 
I know in the book, Reese Howell's Intercessor, I recommend that book to, if you're a prayer, you need to read that book. If you're not a prayer, you ought to read it too. But it's a classic, it's an old book on prayer. But they prayed, Reese Howell's and this Bible college that he was over in England, prayed England through the war. They literally won the war on their knees. That's doing God's business in prayer. I got that book out today and reread some of that because it's so very powerful. Very, very powerful. So this is a heavenly business. This is an intense kind of prayer and deals with the business or the desires of God in the earth. It's co-laboring with God to accomplish His will, His plans, His purposes, and it takes wholehearted people to do it. I believe that's why he says there that he prayed earnestly. He was a man of like passions as we are. He was not anything special. So anybody could have done it that would just put themselves to it. But he prayed earnestly and it didn't rain for the space of three years and six months. And you know, right there before that in verse 16, the last part of verse 16, he says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The Amplified says makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. You know, one of the things you have to develop if you're going to pray this kind of prayer is you can't be led by your feelings and your senses. You have to develop up where you trust your own prayers. You know, a lot of people pray in tongues. They really don't even believe it's doing anything. They don't know for sure if it's doing anything or if it's not doing anything. You've got to get to the place where you have a confidence. When I pray in tongues, bless God, I'm praying out the mysteries of God. And I may not understand it, but things are changing for me and for others. You'll never be consistent in prayer if you don't believe that your prayer does something. Get the feeling sometimes, and people need to be healed in their soul of this uh, many times of uh, what it would be called poor self-esteem or something to that effect. That's a soul problem, not a spirit problem. But they need to be healed in their soul of this because they have such a poor self-esteem about themselves and they absolutely have no confidence in their own prayers. And if you don't have confidence in your own prayers, you need to go to the Holy Spirit and you need to find out why. You need to go to Him and say, Lord, I don't have confidence in myself here. You have to have faith in your own faith. A lot of people come against that. But if you don't have faith in your faith, you'll have to depend on somebody else's faith for the rest of your life. And you develop faith in your own faith by knowing who you are in Christ, renewing your mind to who you are in Christ, and training your heart and mind to believe the Word, training your heart and mind to accept the new birth and the new creation, and quit measuring your righteousness by your works and what you've done in your past and your failures, and start measuring your righteousness by the blood of Jesus and who God said you were. And when you do that, it'll take a step up in your prayers because you'll have faith in your own prayers, which will cause you to pray more. And you won't be led by your feelings of whether this is getting answered or whether it's not. When I pray in tongues, I know it's doing some good. Some days I feel like it's doing a lot. Some days I don't feel a thing. I don't feel, I'm like, I don't feel any connection whatsoever. It doesn't matter if I feel connected, I'm connected. Brother Copeland said, if you want to connect to God, just have to say one word, and that's Jesus. You're connected. 
Hallelujah. You don't have to work it up or feel a tingle or a chill or see a vision or hear a word of prophecy. Just launch out there and praying in tongues. To get this heavenly business praying started, say, well, I don't do that because I really don't know what God wants me to pray about. Well, just start praying about something. And if that's not the right subject, he'll steer you another way. In other words, pick a country, pick a, a soldier, pick something and start putting your prayers on it. And if God has a more specific assignment to you, but chances are if you have something come up into your thoughts, then God's directing you in prayer, even if it comes up in a strange way. I know one time when we were in Trustville and I was pretty much just learning some of these things, I heard the words, the king of Siam. And I remembered there was a movie. I think they've had a remake since then, but that was an old movie, Yule Brenner's Bald Head. Okay, Bald Headed King. Y'all remember that old movie? Okay, musical. A good, clean movie about a missionary. The lady was a missionary. Falls in love with the king of Siam. So that came up in my heart just as I was praying in tongues one day. I thought of that movie. I don't think it was a coincidence. So I went and asked pastor, is there a country called Siam? Or I didn't know if it was fictional or if there really was. And he said, well, they changed the name to Thailand. And so I began to pray just kind of direct my prayers toward Thailand, not knowing how to pray, really, not knowing what God wanted to pray out over there, and don't know to this day what I did or what good I did. But I do know one thing is now there's lots of spiritual activity going on in Thailand. I know lots of ministries that have missionaries there. I see lots of spiritual events. Ramah's there is a Bible college. Uh, there's other Bible colleges there. And so I'm not taking credit for that by any any means, but God will direct your prayers where he needs them. And you know, the Holy Ghost is so good, he'll put just the amount of people that he needs to pray for this situation on it, and he won't waste anybody's time. In other words, there's one too many praying for Thailand, he'll get somebody over on Hong Kong or somewhere. He'll direct them another way. And so you don't ever have to worry about wasting your time in prayer. I know last year, the Lord put me on praying for governors. He called it to my attention. I don't even remember how now, but this was over a year ago, actually, a year and a half ago. He said, okay, there's going to be, in 2010, there's going to be 36 governors run for election. And he wanted to make some changes in the governors of the states. And so he got us, and then he got me, I got you, and we prayed for the governors for at least a year and didn't get all the changes we would have liked. Hallelujah, but got some major changes where the governors of the United States of America were concerned. And governors are very, very powerful. Amen. And, you know, we need to pray for Governor Bentley. He needs prayer. Hallelujah. So this business of God is heavenly business. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 6 and look at the Lord's Prayer. I like the Lord's Prayer. I hear people teach against it, but I disagree. 
I disagree that this is not relevant for us as Christians today. Some people will teach it like that, that it's not relevant for us today. I'm drawn more and more to praying the Lord's Prayer. The further I go in God, the more I pray the Lord's Prayer, the more I even use it as a guideline in my life. I think it's powerful. And a lot of people say, well, it doesn't have Jesus' name in it. I found that to be real simple. I just add Jesus' name at the end. And then it just becomes a good prayer. I know where to pray to the Father in Jesus' name. He didn't tell them that in this chapter because it wasn't time for them to know that. This little passage right here is the first time he introduces them to God the Father. They are Israelites. In the Old Testament, you do not find except one time in prophecy God being referred to as Father. They didn't know God was their Father. They didn't know it. They knew Abraham was their Father. But they didn't know God was their father, and he introduces them to our father, which art in heaven, and tells them, they ask him how to pray, and he tells them this. And so there in Matthew chapter 6, look down in verse 9. There, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That means holy. Holy be thy name. That's one way to interpret it. I know God wants us to do this. I know he wants us to hallow and rever and call his name holy because he has got 24 elders and four living creatures around the throne 24-7 for all eternity crying holy, holy, holy. He wants us to acknowledge him on a daily basis that he is a holy God and that he is our father, right? We need to acknowledge Him as Father. We need to do it because it glorifies Him. He knows He's our Father. You don't have to tell Him, but it glorifies Him for you to say it. And it reinforces it in your heart that you have a Father which art in heaven. But I tell you another reason I like to say it is because I like every demon in hell to hear that I am acknowledging God. And you keep that reinforced in your life. God, you are my Father. Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, you're my teacher. You're my guide you're my comforter you keep that reinforced in your life and you won't step away so easy there's a whole lot of Christians just going through motions and they're not acknowledging God very often I know I used to be one I didn't get taught this prayer in church you know how I learned the Lord's Prayer my mom had a friend her name was Helen Hearn in Seagraves Texas she was a wealthy woman she worked at the bank where my mom worked she was an officer my mother was a peon at the bank she was low on the totem pole so Helen and her got to be friends well one day I guess Helen she didn't have garage sales I know but she loaded up a big box of junk and brought it over and gave it to me and in there was a piece of paper and it was kind of glitterized and it had the Lord's Prayer on it. And I learned the Lord's Prayer off of that. And I was a good little girl going to church. Okay, then let's look down and he says, the next verse, he says, verse 10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Well, now you can look at this two ways. The Bible says the kingdom of God's already come and it's within us, okay? And so that's true in one sense. And it is true that the kingdom of God has come. Jesus brought the kingdom 
But the kingdom is not fully manifest in all the earth, and the kingdom of God is progressively expanding and things about the kingdom that are being revealed that were not revealed. And I believe that that's probably mostly what God intends in this prayer is that we pray that the kingdom of God advance and progress. You know, the kingdom of God in Tuscaloosa County is stuck for the most part. They're stuck at salvation. They say healing passed away. They say tongues are of the devil. And maybe they even some of them have advanced a little past that and they don't say they're of the devil anymore, but they're sure not for everybody. Oh man, they're not for everybody. And that healing, you know, it's just according to God's will. God's in control and uh, He knows whether you need cancer or not to teach you something. That is the kingdom of God is stuck in their lives anyway. And it's going to move on with them or without them, but we do need to pray that those things be opened up. Hallelujah. That's doing the business for God in Tuscaloosa County. And you know, sometimes I think the more we get our mind off of, Oh Lord, help me with my finances. Oh Lord, I ask you to help me pay my bill. If we get over on His agenda. Hallelujah. We used to sing a song, forget about yourself, concentrate on Him, and worship Him. Does anybody remember that song? Hallelujah. And we need to have a forgetting party sometimes and really believe Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus and get on about the Father's business. Because we're stuck too sometimes trying to get our needs met. And we kind of are in unbelief because we believe it. Boy, if we missed one day praying for that money that we need, oh my Lord, we'd probably go bankrupt because we missed a day. That's unbelief. So I'm preaching to myself too here. He says, pray this. If you can't pray thy kingdom come because you're hung up about that, then at least pray thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I know you can pray that because I know you don't think the earth looks like heaven. And heaven's the model of what earth is supposed to look like. We need to do a lot of praying, don't we? God didn't make you responsible for all of it. But there are 500 million tongue talkers in the world. And if 500 million tongue talkers, and that's not counting the non-tongue talkers, if the tongue talkers only would get to praying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and get about the Father's business, I believe this earth would change, don't you? 9-11 was a little bit of a wake-up call, and there are a lot of Christians that got more on prayer and said, you know, if we want this thing, we got to pray about it. John Paul Jackson, he's a prophet. He had a dream this year. In the dream, he was in a house, and the house represented the United States of America. He knew that because he would walk into a room, and in that room, there would be something about America. There were people with him in the house, and so these little fires started. He could see these little bitty tiny fires would start, and people would run over and stomp them out. They were about to go outdoors, and he looked behind him, and there was a fire, another one of those little fires. And he ran over to stomp it out, and when he did, he noticed it burned a hole in the floor. He looked down in the hole, and underneath, it was totally on fire. 
And he knew he couldn't put it out, so he said he saw his laptop there, and he, his whole life was in his laptop. He ran to get his laptop, and the Lord said, you don't have time for that. Get your wife and get out of here. And so he grabbed his wife, and they went out of the house. And then he woke up, and he said he was so startled when he woke up. And the Lord told him, he said, the foundations of America are on fire, and America's condition is worse than people think it is. That's pretty much of a wake-up call. I thought it was pretty bad already, didn't y'all? And then he talked about how God talked to him, that Christians are going to have to pray to put these fires out. Hallelujah. That goes back to doing God's business in prayer. Not being so self-consumed as Christians, so self-consumed that we don't pray at all. You know, it's not an excuse that I don't know how to pray. There are ways to learn how to pray. There are books to read. There are tapes and CDs to listen to. You can come and watch people pray here at the church. You know, that's part of it is to watch and pray. So God's will in earth is whatever heaven looks like. These heavenly divine prayers that God's called us to pray affect people. They affect nations, they affect kingdoms, and they affect destinies. Let's turn over to John 8, 28. Now, how do you go about praying like Elijah did, where he prayed for it not to rain for three and a half years? Because, you know, first of all, if you were just to decide, well, I'm just going to try this out, I'm going to pray that it doesn't rain for three and a half years. First, I don't think you could make this work, and there's a reason I don't think you could. And secondly, this could be dangerous. We could pray something that we think would help, which might not help. And sometimes we don't have a clue what the will of God is when it comes to governments and when it comes to nations. You know, everybody's on TV telling what they think is the right answer. But really, God, only God knows what is the right answer. And only the man that prays will find out the right way to go and the right thing to do where Iraq is concerned, and Afghanistan, and Haiti. I feel sorry for the president. I feel sorry for the leaders, because there's so many things to decide and decisions that have to be made. That's why they need our prayers. They need our prayers, and our prayers work. In John 8, 28, Jesus gives us a real key to life, to prayer, to ministry. Then Jesus said unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. In prayer, when it comes to praying this prayer, and like I said, we can start off small and just pray the Word, and we're going to be safe. If you pray the Word over Thailand, you're not going to hurt it. Okay? But when you start praying more specifically for it not to rain for three and a half years, you need to have heard your Father. Amen? You need to have heard the Father and what He said. John 12, 49. Jesus heard the Father. So we have a job to do to practice hearing the Father, to start out praying for this business of God, and uh, start in a small way, and then God will give us bigger assignments. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a complete commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. Now this is talking about Jesus. So if you ever wondered why he said what he said, this is why. Because he had a complete plan laid out for him. 
That was pretty awesome like that. God gave him the whole plan and told him what he should say and what he should do and how he should speak and who he should speak to. Hallelujah. So he always did that. He stayed in the will of God in that, and he had success at what he did. There's a lot more going on in the earth than sometimes we're aware of. And when I read about the spiritual things that God and the people God's directing and things like that, I'm always totally amazed. God has all this underground things and people he has people working for him in every situation, in every state, in every nation. He has people in the capital. He has people at the Pentagon. He has people that are working for him, that are speaking for him. That's why Wanda's in Montgomery. Hallelujah. She's going to be able to speak some things that I'm going to say this. Governor Bentley doesn't even know yet. He's probably there because of the spirit-filled Christians that really knew how to pray that got him there. I think we're wrong to assume just because somebody's Christian that God picked them for a job. Jeremiah 4, 16 and 17. Make him mention to the nations. Behold, publish against Jerusalem that watchers come from a far country and give out their voice against the cities of Judah. As keepers of a field are they against her roundabout, because she hath been rebellious against me, saith the Lord. You've got to look closely to find this in here, but you can do that. You can look closely. First of all, when the Bible talks about watchers, it's talking about prayers. So when you find the word watch, and you'll find that word a lot of times connected with prayer. Watch and pray. Watch. The watchers. I have set me watchmen upon the wall. And so it's talking about watchers here that he's called to watch. And when you're a watcher and you are called to watch and pray. Now, when you pray in the Holy Ghost and pray in tongues, you need to watch. That's why you've got to fully engage spirit, soul, and body. E.M. Bounds talks about you've got to put your whole self into fer that fervent, effectual prayer is not praying in tongues and your mind wandering. And I know that's easy to do, but we've got to discipline ourselves if we're really going to be effectual prayers to bring the mind back. This morning, I was trying to read the Bible. I read the whole 1 Corinthians 4, and I get halfway through it, or nearly all the way through it, really. I hadn't been paying attention. I make myself start over. I go back to Scripture number 1, and sometimes I've started over three or four times. Got something on your mind. Just a little tidbit. If you got something on your mind, write it down. Just stop and write it down. Maybe you're just trying to remember something. You can interrupt your whole prayer and worship time, your whole word time, by trying to remember something you got to do that morning. That if you just stop and write it down. Amen? Or stop and deal with something. i got to remember to take this to the church. It would be better for me to go to my car and just put it in the car. So anyway, watchers are referring to prayers. So these people were called to watch. And if you notice there in that scripture, though, after they watch, God wants them to speak. So what you see, you speak. Or what you hear, you speak. Even if you don't understand it. Even if it's just a word. You speak it. And then you've become God's prayer doing God's business. And we're all called to do this. you got to engage the full spirit, the full soul. The, even your body has to engage in prayer. Let me just give you some scripture on that. Okay, Luke twenty two forty one. Let's look at this about our body getting engaged in prayer. 
Some of you are not having good, very good success in prayer because you're not engaging your body. Hallelujah. You got to engage your mind. That's your soul. 2241. This is Jesus praying. And it says, and he withdrew from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed. And kneeled down and prayed. Now that doesn't mean that every prayer you pray has to be on your knees. Actually, he engaged his body. One time it says that when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, he prostrated himself. He engaged his body. I do know one thing for sure, that your body is a reflection of how engaged your soul is. Body language. I see body language sometimes that I go, they're not honoring God in their heart. They're rebellious towards God. Did you ever see somebody in church sitting like this? But you know what? There's something wrong in the soul when somebody sits in church like that. They got a soul problem. Don't mean we don't love them. That don't mean we don't accept them. But there's something wrong in the soul. Our soul's not engaging with God. Our body language says, I'd rather be somewhere else. I'm not enjoying this. I'm just resting. Hallelujah. We need to look at that because we need to reflect on our own body language sometimes in prayer. You know, it's okay to pray in bed. But if all you're praying is prayed in bed, and if you pray like I pray in bed, oh, Jesus, I love you. I praise you. I thank you. And I'm just, oh, Lord, I... hallelujah. If God really does wake me up in the middle of the night and I need to pray, I've got to get up and engage my body. So our bodies have to be involved in this. I think that's one reason sometimes it's good to walk and pray because at least we get our body distracted, you know. You know, the Jews, they, uh, what do they call this? Shuckling or something like that. They rock and pray. I find myself rocking and praying. That's really my way of fully engaging myself, spirit, soul, and body. Keeping my body flowing with what the Holy Ghost is doing. I don't always do that when I pray. You got to fully engage in your body and then fully engage in your soul. Now, I know we teach that you don't pray in tongues from your mind. You'd pray from your heart, uh, your spirit, but you have to engage your mind. Otherwise, you cannot watch and pray. You'll never know if God says something. You'll never be able to speak it, that's for sure. You know, the brain has to kick in for the mouth to speak. Hallelujah. And so God's called us to be watchers. And he talked about these watchers there in Jeremiah 4, 16 and 7. He talked about them being watchers and speaking. And then he talked about them being keepers. That's another aspect of prayer that in our prayers, we keep things for God. We are keepers of other people. We are our brother's keeper when it comes to prayer. Amen. We have to keep our children in prayer. I thought that was going to end when they graduated and left. That don't end. you got to keep on keeping them in prayer. Hallelujah. I will say that you do sometimes God releases you to another level, but you got to be a keeper in prayer of people. We need to keep each other in this church in prayer. The Bible says, Paul says, I labored again for you in travail or childbirth until Christ be formed in you. We get baby Christians in the church. We got to watch over them in prayer. Eddie and Jerry, they need to be prayed over and watched over in prayer. He just got saved. If we don't watch them in prayer, because I guarantee you the devil's going to try to steal them out while the root's not very deep. 
So the younger people are in Christ. Our teenagers are under a barrage of the devil. He's doing a good job of it because most people don't know how to pray. So therefore, their youth go to college and most of them disengage right there from their childhood raising in church. But we're not going to let ours do that. We're going to watch in prayer. We got to keep our family covered in Psalm 91 for protection. Hallelujah. Pastor talked about that. Not just protection, it's really a two-way blessing. It's a blessing not only to them because they're kept safe, but it's also a blessing to us because like he said, any tragedy in your family is going to pull you away from God too for sometimes a very, very lengthy, long time while they recover and rehabilitate and you're not in church. You may think it's not hurting you, but bless God, it hurts you. You get dull spiritually. You sit out from under the word for a length of time. You'll be dull. You won't have that same fire, that same fervency. You've got to keep the fire stoked in your life all the time. And so it's important that we watch and pray that are under us and those sometimes that are related to us in other ways. Amen. I want you to do some business with God tonight. I want you to think of somebody in this church, someone that comes up before you, a face, a thought, a name, however it comes. And I want just for a minute here for you to cover that person in prayer. I want you to do business for God. Forget about yourself. Let Him use you to help somebody else. And you can claim the promise in Job 42. It says, and, and God turned the captivity of Job when He prayed for His friends. Hallelujah. Sometimes that's just what we're lacking. Is man, we'd get set free if we'd pray for somebody else. Amen. So let's do that now. Hallelujah.